1: From WBEZ Chicago, this is Nerdette. I'm Greta Johnson. We did it. We made it to another weekend. Coming up, Ingu Kang from The New Yorker gives us a preview of some of the best TV to watch this fall.
2: Look, I think what reality TV offers is that if you want romance, you can get romance. And if you just want to laugh at the people who want romance, that is also available to you.
1: But first, let's kick back, relax, and unwind from the week that was with two excellent humans. With us today, we have the new host of NPR's It's Been a Minute, Brittany Luce. Brittany, hello. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. Also here is the host of the NPR podcast, Embedded, Kelly McCovers. Kelly, hello. Hey, it's good to be back. Yes. Okay, so let's start with Twitter. Billionaire Elon Musk <laughs> took over the platform. He promptly fired a bunch of top executives. He's talked about how he wants to loosen moderation in general on this site. He also unveiled a plan this week to charge people for verification status. Those, of course, are like the little blue check marks that people get when their identities have been confirmed. There are people who are often considered to be like slightly more high profile. For the record, all three of us are verified. To do with that information <laughs> what you
3: want. Uh, for now, I guess. <laughs> right. Like, what? Today.
1: So yeah, right now they're free. Elon initially was like, we're going to charge $20 a month if you want to maintain this status he since because people were so pissed about it was like okay eight dollars a month i mean is this something either of you would ever pay for no 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 no
3: i mean i'm like stephen king what do you say he's like f that you should pay me (laughs) he's like he's like if it gets instituted and then he goes i'm gone like enron that was stephen king i was like okay okay stephen king
1: all right that's amazing. Was it Shonda Rhimes who also just pieced out this week? Yeah, she like, no, I'm yeah. done.
3: Once that happened, I was like, "Yeah, this mm. is yeah not a place to be." Okay, so real talk: Is everybody still on Twitter though? Right,
4: <laughs> I'm still there. I'm. I, I feel like I've curated my Twitter experience over the years to yeah. be honestly pretty pleasant so yeah. i think a lot of the things that people complain about the most i don't witness which is very fortunate that's um, good and so yeah and so i still have like you know pals on there that i like to see what people are thinking i mean there's a lot of people that like share interesting things a lot of people make me laugh yeah um, totally. and that hasn't yeah. changed day to day for me but i absolutely will not be paying for any no. Aspect no. Of tri- no. zero percent no i am paid for percent. twitter no. blue it, no. Which allows you to edit tweets, which we've all been yeah. thirsty for for yes. years. But um,
3: <laughs> but no, so, no but I'm not doing no. it. No, no, also, it's just
4: like, this is my thing. I, I saw that Elon Musk shared on Twitter this meme that I don't know who made it. I, I pray to God he didn't pay somebody on his team to make it. <laughs> but it was like... Like $8 for like a Frappuccino from Starbucks that gives you only 30 minutes of value. Whereas $8 per month, like $8 to Twitter is 30 days of value. I'm like, okay, so I can have a delicious beverage that makes me feel like 2000s era Britney Spears. right? Immediate <laughs> joy, immediate joy. Or I can pay
3: somebody who's already very rich to use something no. I
4: already use. Yeah, that is no. ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's right. and no. have some
3: like special experience with it. No, like I'd rather just not be there.
4: The only thing that being verified, I would say has done is it allows me when reaching out to people. Like if I've ever had to yes. DM someone, yes. they are right. like, they don't like to ask if they want to talk or something like that, or, to you know, ask for the email address, find sources that is the only way I think in which it's been helpful. And I've seen other journalists say the same. Mm -hmm. Um, But otherwise, I don't need
1: that. (laughs) <laughs> no yeah. no Leave of course no. not no especially not to pay for it it's funny it's been really interesting especially over the last week seeing people kind of chime in on whether or not they're going to stay I saw a viral tweet from Katie Anatopoulos from BuzzFeed who mm-hmm. tweeted people are like oh I'm leaving Twitter but I just saw a viral thread where someone argued it's classes to know how to boil an egg you can't put a price on this you'll have to drag me out.
3: exactly <laughs> there's free entertainment all it's day, still every day funny, like that Stephen King thing I'm still laughing oh here's yeah. how I dealt with it I deleted it from my phone. Oh, okay. Okay. (laughs) Because I was reading all these articles where they were like, it's going to be a wash and like hate speech and Mm. porn. And I was like... I mean, it already is. So, but but I've curated my experience, like you said, I've curated my experience too, to be like in such a way, like I don't encounter. Yeah. I mean, hate speech like makes its way to everything, but like I don't even know how you. Mm -mm. I don't even want to know about the whole porn (laughs) thing. So you're like, I'm gonna save the hate speech and the porn for my desktop computer. Exactly. I don't know how (laughs) that was like somehow like. I respect not on my phone. I'm like less addicted to a thing that's probably slowly getting worse, Mm. and it's like a frog in a pot, and I don't really know that it's getting worse. Yeah. And so maybe by only having it on my desktop then I could just poke in when I want to laugh at the laughs. And then get back out. Yeah. Um, I also just like feel like, you know, Trump's going to get back on there and like the elections and stuff's just going to get weird and ugly. Yeah. If I could just do it for like all my various quirky um, side interests, it would be great. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's a really good point. So also this week, economist Emily Oster wrote a piece for The Atlantic about Mm -hmm. how we should all be offering Mm. each other, quote unquote, pandemic amnesty. (laughs) Um, She's using the (laughs) phrase in this piece. Often kind of in in reference to, like, larger policy decisions and recommendations that were made, especially in the early days of the pandemic before we had a lot of information. Um, you know, she mentions keeping schools closed as long as we did, did the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. Um, obviously, there's a lot to unpack with this one. I actually would like to zoom in a little and think less about maybe broader policy issues and more about just sort of how we behaved with each other interpersonally, because I do think the phrase pandemic amnesty is pretty interesting. And I yeah. do wonder if we've all been affording each other enough grace over the last, you know, fill in the blank amount of time, which has been extremely stressful on a number of levels. Um, I also totally respect like the desire to hold a grudge, you know, so Mm -hmm. I don't know, like, Brittany, where are you at with this? Have you thought about this much?
4: Well, I'll say that for all of the bluster of the title of that essay, it was suspiciously short. It it definitely hinges on the assumption that most people are operating in extremely well informed, good faith that like wants to trust science and and holds an abundance of caution which it's just not my memory of 2020 mm, yeah. <laughs> is that my memory right. of 2020 by a mile so yeah. i mean to me the essay felt it had the impression
3: of a bag of wind for me yeah that's fair mm.
1: what did you think kelly mm.
3: you know it's interesting i didn't Like, I think there was one point in the essay that was interesting, and it was, you know, this idea of, like, everybody has a scorecard, and you're still, like, looking Mm. at your scorecard. Like, I was right about this, and you were wrong about this. And, like, if somehow we could not have a scorecard and focus on what's actually important, Right. right? The fact that, you know, kids did fall back from not going to school. Where did that happen? Why did it only happen in certain places and not in other places? Like, that's the one part of the essay where I was like, hmm, okay, interesting, The thing that really stuck out for me, of course, and like obviously like affected everyone else was this idea of using the word amnesty. It just felt so dismissive Mm. and like so much ignored, like the pain that people still have. Like fear and we actually still need to talk about it. Yes. We need to talk about the iPads and the nursing homes and the schools, you know, like there's just a lot that people still need to unpack
1: yeah, I think you're right. It reminded me of something that I found myself thinking about in the early days of the pandemic, trying to sort of console myself for all of it, which was, you know, it was something along the lines of like, well, we're all doing our best. And then I was like, immediately afterwards, like, but wait, are we like,
3: we're not, yeah, Like, not no, everyone exactly. is we're doing our best. definitely not.
4: There is a, a friend of a friend or a friend of mine who I... um followed on instagram at the time mm. she was going on she wanted at, at least a vacation every month in oh 2020 oh and I, after a while i hey I, I had this morbid fascination with like what is she doing? Cause yeah. like, well, I was like at home yeah. and stressed out to walk down the street. Yeah.
1: I hadn't hugged yes. anyone in weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Eating
4: outside six feet apart from my friend in a park in February in New York, like oh. until like
3: my <laughs> toes got too cold. And like, yes. she was like, just to have human contact. Just to have and have She's human like, contact. I'm in
4: Bora Bora. <laughs> yeah. And she was like at the club and I was like, no oh i wouldn't God. say i i wouldn't say i was 0% jealous like i i of course i missed the club at that
1: point in time but yeah she obviously was not doing her best she wasn't doing her best no no it's very it seems very cute to ask for forgiveness when no one has actually apologized either
2: yeah. you know <laughs> it's like we're With skipping a, a step yes. where
1: it's like like, sure, I would love to afford you some grace, but, like, I think you need to ask for the grace in a way that's, like, a little more meaningful than just, like, well, come on. Like, mistakes were made,
3: you know? Yeah. Yeah, that was, the, to me, the reaction to the piece that was so clear from all of that. Yeah. In a way, too, I think, though, if you're talking about... um you like forgiving yourself, you know, I think about that a lot. It's like, I know that I was really stringent about stuff, you know, Mm -hmm. and that like, I jumped on some bandwagons too, you know, and I think about that all the time. It's like, what could I have done differently? You know what I mean? Like, how could I have not been like, super judgy of someone whose mask like wasn't properly situated on their nose? And, and I mean, I feel like, you know, the culture of this country didn't help, right? Everybody had to choose sides. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So I would like us to not do that anymore. But to just say let's wipe the slate clean doesn't seem to be the way to get there no.
1: yeah no for sure no um okay so this is like a huge shift in topic but I want to talk about the Powerball oh. <laughs> let's talk about the Powerball because... I'm ready to talk about the Powerball <laughs> okay so it's at 1.5 billion dollars this is the second largest jackpot in Powerball history mm-hmm. the odds of winning at this point are 1 in 292.2 million. that's according to Powerball uh Brittany are you gonna play are you doing it I'm gonna play. I I actually
4: have never played
1: the lottery before. <laughs> um, jumping in now.
4: Yeah, I'm gonna jump in Same. now. I was talking about my husband the other day, and um, we we would love to obviously like pay off his student loans sure. and like I I also probably want to give some to like my sisters. But uh, I I am in a contract with NPR that's two years long. I will finish it. <laughs> It's so gracious reti- but after that retirement, may be inima- Im- imminent. I think wow. retirement could wow. be a. The-
3: Are um. you hearing this NPR? Are you hearing this? <laughs> this is your new committed employee. Wow. Because I'm like, mm, bye. No. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm like,
4: you think you're gonna walk up to anyone and give them 1.5 billion dollars, and they're like, you know what? I will continue to do. Oh my god. I would like to work my job, but no. I mean. Yeah. It was actually interesting to think about because I was like, oh, I actually do enjoy my job, so I was like, I would keep, yes. I would keep going. I was talking to a friend about it, and he was like, oh, I'm I'm quitting the next day, and I was like, actually, yeah. I was like, I enjoy my job, so I'd keep going. Um, but it's so weird because it's like I the thing I keep coming back to is like, what would it mean for me to live without thinking about
1: money? Oh my god, without worrying about money,
3: without debt.
4: Yeah. I have no idea if it would make me feel good or terrified because money's such like needing money is such an organizing principle for literally everybody. Yeah. That it's like would I be would I cease to be in touch with the human experience? And I think so.
1: (laughs) But maybe (laughs) in a really fun, exciting way. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) It's funny, I was talking to my boyfriend about this last night and his thing so he's a teacher and he was like, Well, I would definitely finish out the school year, but not out of any like altruism necessarily, but like I gotta pretend like I don't have any, like I didn't exactly. win. You have to keep that on exactly. the lock as long as possible because people yeah. are gonna show up. <laughs> it was like, wow, I had not thought of that. Oh, I've definitely of thought at of that. All
3: <laughs> mm-hmm. I went down the worst spiral about it because I was just like, obviously, first I would like buy a surfboard, you know, <laughs> I get, love get my <laughs> get my brother out of debt. Yeah, 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 yeah. But like, then I just like got so upset trying to think about. It's like, how do you use billions of dollars to like save democracy and stop? Climate change, and then I like just ended up like in a puddle crying because I was like, "There's no way it doesn't work." (laughs) And then you know, I was thinking about all these like terrible billionaires who like act like they're philanthropists, but they're really not. You know, it's like would I just become one of those where it's just like all for show? Yeah, it it really. You posed a question that like didn't do me
1: that's so funny <laughs> well i mean it's sort of like there's this spectrum right between delight and burden and it's like where is yeah. 1.5 billion dollars on that spectrum like it's yeah i don't, I don't yeah. know but let's buy twitter i think that's that's the answer <laughs> yeah. but twitter was like 44 billion like we need more we don't have enough I know, to but buy But the
4: twitter. thing is money attracts money so when you have yes.
1: money then oh. yes. like elon Musk okay. didn't have money to buy twitter that's, true. that's true. you know okay. can't we just
3: put a down payment If
1: one of us wins and buys Twitter, I'm gonna be pissed, frankly.
4: (laughs) (laughs) No, I wouldn't the last thing I would do if I won one point five billion dollars is buy myself a job. I would never. I would never.
3: No way. Like if what if you changed nothing about your current life but you didn't have to care about money? I would buy a home. There's like historic like brownstones near me and I'm like, oh
4: I would definitely I would definitely buy Buy one one of of those. those. And then I think I would wanna go. I always had this fantasy Traveling to different countries and learning to cook in them for months. Oh and my time. god, that's
3: <laughs> it's so oh. I'm gonna cry. I love it. Yeah, so much. I'm, gonna,
4: I'm, under, I'm under the Tuscan
1: sun. You the know, the thing is, what's crazy is like we could do that with a hundred million. You know what I mean? Oh, like, okay. like, <laughs> like one point five billion. <laughs> You're like, for the right, record, right? Spread fine. it around.
3: Yeah. Do the George Clooney where you like put money in a suitcase and like give it to all your friends? Does he need more <laughs> friends? Yeah, I know. <laughs> What a trip.
1: It's funny. These are just quantity. Like, I just can't even, like, f- comprehend these numbers no. intellectually. Like, Kelly, I'm so, like, ad- I just really admire the fact that you're like, how do I fix things? Because I'm just like, how many corgis <laughs> would I get with this <laughs> much money? It's like that's, the only, like, that's the only way the math works for me.
3: How many surfboards could <laughs> yeah, I? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So many <laughs> surfboards. I, yeah. I, I I just know. don't need that many. Yeah, it's like how can I make healthcare not suck in America? Oh, oh, I don't yeah, know. If, the separate
4: is—I don't know if one point one point five billion dollars is not enough. I feel like though no. one point five billion dollars is enough, though. Going back to the George Clooney thing, though, where you can just give people money, <laughs> right? It's universal basic income. Yeah, yeah.
3: It's really—it's actually proven to work, like cash yeah, payouts. Totally. Yes. Like, yes, you know yes. they've done it in certain communities. You just like give people money. We could we yeah. could George Clooney our own neighborhoods. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, my gosh, this was very fun. Thank you both for coming on. I, I wish us all the best. <laughs> in the Powerball. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. It was super fun. In just a minute, the TV shows you don't want to miss this fall.
0: Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Tanwen. Nguyen
1: As ever, there are so many shows to choose from on a multitude of platforms these days. So here to help us pick through some of the best is Ingu Kang, television critic for The New Yorker. Ingu, welcome to Nerdette. Hi, thanks for having me. Okay, so fall TV, like, is that even a fair thing to call it anymore? I feel like, you know, it used to be where there were networks and this was like the time when all the big shows came out. Is that real anymore? What do you think?
2: Um, it is not really real as of, at least like for this year, mm. the broadcast networks decided last year to sort of hold on to a lot of their shows. They didn't really want to go through the traditional pilot season this year of, you know, sorting through a bunch of pilots to see which one should make it to the air. And so there's actually a very, very small number uh, of new shows that premiered on the broadcast networks, which is a little bit of a shame because... Last year was, you know, in the TV criticism world, a very exciting fall. We got a bunch of shows uh, like Abbott Elementary Mm -hmm. and I think to a lesser extent American Auto that had people sort of wondering, wait, is this like the resurgence of the broadcast sitcom? um but as of this year I think it's still those shows that people are excited about
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah I definitely want to talk about Abbott Elementary because like that show is just such a joy like is it perfect
2: (laughs) (laughs) I feel like you're really setting me up here (laughs) I suppose it's probably an unfair question to ask like an actual television critic (laughs) it's just so much fun though you know Quinta Brunson, who is the creator and star, and I believe a uh, head writer of the show, mm. is doing something that at one point used to be this like, very Derringer thing that every broadcast sitcom should aim for and now feels really sort of different, which is going for that four-quadrant appeal. That show has a cast that sort of very organically feels like you have these 20-somethings interacting with these 50 or 60-somethings. It's a show uh, set in a under-resourced to Philadelphia elementary school, and it's basically focused on the teachers who are really trying to do the most that they can with a very little. I think one thing that's sort of underappreciated about the show is that any viewer can come in and invest the amount of social commentary that they want to invest in it. If you just want like a really good time with mm-hmm. a lot of like really fun jokes like pop culture references that really pop and feel really current that is really there for you
3: it's been almost a year okay it is beyond time that they reboot spider-man again yeah you're right i love it but who can replace tom holland oh, i'll tell you who that little magical cutie that harry potter
0: daniel radcliffe
3: yeah
4: he's already in a franchise you can't just swing from franchise to franchise so why do i have to see chris pratt everywhere okay. now i want to fix spider-man like 50 cent should be black anyways costume got a built-in
1: do-rag
2: If you are kind of like me, a bit of a killjoy at heart, and all you want to do is analyze things to death, that is also available to you. (laughs) That is like the greatness of a show like Abbott Elementary, where so many different people can find what they're looking for in that show.
1: Yeah, it's interesting to hear you bring up the generational diversity of it because I hadn't thought of it in that context, but you're totally right. I think, you know, and and this is a show that like kids would also enjoy, I imagine. you know. Yes,
2: but although I will say one thing I love about Abbott is that none of the kids are precocious and they are very frequently <laughs> annoying, which I think is, sorry, what kids are. So you can tell I don't have kids. I know, same, same. <laughs> So another show
1: that I would love to chat with you about, which is maybe on the other side of uh, humanity, (laughs) of the the spectrum of human behavior, is HBO's White Lotus, which just started (laughs) up its season two. I loved season one. I haven't seen any of this new season yet. Uh, Have you gotten a chance to watch it?
2: Uh, I've seen the first five episodes of Mm -hmm. The White Lotus. I actually liked the season a lot more than the previous one. I think the last one felt a little, you know, like we were just talking with Abbott Elementary about like all of these like sociological Mm -hmm. seriousness. And I think The White Lotus had maybe a little bit too much of that. It felt a little airless for me. Mm -hmm. Everyone's fate is kind of determined only by the amount of privilege that they have mm-hmm. and i think season two just feels more like a drama yes Ooh,
1: i'm really excited to hear that because i'm ready for just like some soapy nonsense that sounds fun
2: oh, that is a lot of what you will find <laughs> <laughs> oh good you just made
1: my day hearing that yay um so the crown is also back this week right i mean that's another just like highly anticipated super popular show
2: I cannot think of another show that is more anticipated, especially with everything that's been happening with the royal family. I think since the big mix-it, uh, Meghan Markle <laughs> and Harry's <laughs> exit from the yeah. royal palaces, mm-hmm. yeah. um, I have only seen the first two episodes. It is going to be a sad season. And I think you can definitely argue that every season of The Crown is sad. The Crown, of course, is a show mm-hmm. where each season sort of takes place across about a decade of British history, and that history is sort of interspliced with what the royal family is going through. Hmm.
1: It seems like such a complicated franchise at this point, given, you know, I mean, you mentioned Meghan and Harry leaving the royal family. I just feel like public opinion has changed so much in recent years. What do you think about that aspect of it?
2: I mean, I think in a lot of ways, initially, the crown started out as this really wonderful almost tribute to the royal family as we know mm. it and now has become like an absolute public relations nightmare <laughs> i rewatched season four um this past weekend and the parallels to megan and harry are really really sad i am suffering no you are not suffering we're all suffering
0: having to put up with this let me make something clear When people look at you and Diana, they see two privileged young people who, through good fortune, have ended up with everything one could dream of in life.
2: No one, not a single breathing living soul anywhere, sees cause for suffering. They would if they knew. Knew what? And, you know, those are there for a reason. I think season five also very much starts that way, um... I don't think I'm really spoiling anything very much when I say that Diana gives an interview, a really famous interview, uh, Mm. to a book author, Andrew Morton, who had been a longtime Palace reporter, who ends up writing about all of her suicide attempts and how, you know, Diana Mm. flung herself down the stairs when she was pregnant with William. And you're just like, it's impossible not to get flashbacks. And so you're just like, oh, you know, history is repeating itself, unfortunately. Yeah, or maybe not. Unfortunately, since she left, sure,
1: that's true. Yeah, maybe this is maybe that is the the improvement on the theme for sure. God, it's so brutal, though. Um, okay, let's talk about reality TV. Have you been watching the new Love Is Blind? What season is that of that?
2: Okay, first of all, this is a very rude question. I am really offended that you are not <laughs> caught I'm up so on sorry. Love Is Blind. So
1: this is probably where I should tell you <laughs> I don't watch unscripted TV. Like I want a trashy drama. And that's really all. So I don't watch, like, I don't watch the, like, baking stuff. I don't watch reality TV. I'm a monster.
2: Yes, you are. Um, thank you for acknowledging this. I have to say, Love is Blind has really, really shot up to the top of the reality ranks for me. Okay. The premise of the show is very stupid and very fun. It's basically a bunch of 20-somethings, extremely attractive 20-somethings, who have, for whatever godforsaken reason decided that they need to get married immediately and so they go into these pods where they start sort of talking to the people on the other side and then they are and then they're supposed to get engaged to a person without actually ever having seen them
1: yeah always goes well i'm sure.
2: And then they live with each other for, like, a few weeks to see, like, is this, like, actually working out, or is the emotional connection that we had in the pod, I don't know, maybe a product of the artifice of reality TV? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I've spent every second of every day the last ten days really digging deep and seeing if I could become emotionally available looking for my wife, and, um, yeah, I've, I've, I've found her. I have fallen in love with Colleen, and, I, and I've never seen her face before.
2: Uh the really crazy thing about Love is Blind is that in season one they it, the show actually produced two couples who are still together,
1: hmm. and so out of I how think, many
2: though <laughs> out of a lot, <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> which you do, <Okay>. Greta. <laughs> I did.
1: You're right. You're right.
2: Look, I think what reality TV offers is that if you want romance, you can get romance. And if Mm. you just want to laugh at the people who want romance, that is also available to you. Um, I will let you guess which kind of viewer I am. (laughs) But I have to say, one of the things I love about reality TV that you get at a much lower frequency on scripted TV is just the complete disjunct sometimes between how a person thinks that they're coming across versus how they're actually coming across. Mm. And I think love is blind. You know, if you are getting married to someone who you have known for a max of two months, you are telling yourself a lot of stories about who that person is. You are telling yourself a lot Mm. of persons. You are telling a lot of stories about the kind of person that you are. And Mm. because it's reality TV, because there's a confessional booth, you a lot of those thoughts are said to the camera and that's what i'm here for
1: so what is the optimal way of watching the show is it like with a glass of wine and like a thriving uh misanthropic group text or what like how do you how do you do that part
2: you nailed it for <laughs> someone who's never seen the show <laughs>
1: that does sound pretty fun that's not that i'm not
2: also romantic at
1: heart i can i can see that for sure (laughs) i will say in my defense this is probably not in my defense i did really love that show unreal oh yeah which was a scripted show about reality tv so my capacity for trash is in there somewhere you know
2: oh but that was like a that won a peabody award that is like a (laughs) serious take (laughs) on trashy tv yes
1: Wow, i didn't know it won a peabody that's wild Um, What is one other show that's coming out this fall or maybe just came out that you're especially excited about?
2: Honestly, I'm really excited by the remake of Interview with the Vampire Mm. uh, based on the Anne Rice book. June 14th, 2022. I'm in the penthouse apartment of the Al Sharaf Towers across from Mr.
1: Louis Dupont Dulac.
2: So, Mr. Dulac. How long have you been dead?
3: <laughs>
2: I don't care that much about vampires. I'm very like, take it or leave it. And <laughs> I, like everyone else, am absolutely tired of remake culture. I had very mm-hmm. low expectations going into this, even though I had heard a lot of chatter about how great it is. Hmm. And you know what? In my book, it is better than the novel. It is Leagues above the film. And I think it takes a lot of the homoerotic subtext of the book and basically turns it super gay. Cool. And it also makes the f- uh, main character into a black character and sort of updates the time so that it doesn't start That's in awesome. the late 18th century, but in the early 20th century, so in the 1910s in New Orleans. Hmm. The show looks great. I love the emotional journeys that everyone is on. If you like Watchmen, for example, which is another really like racially conscious uh, supernatural series, I think yeah. this one is like a really good follow-up. And also, it's just so sexy. I cannot <laughs> say this enough. <laughs> what is that one on? it is on amc and amc plus
1: ah the elusive amc i guess it's not that elusive I don't It's know why not. That.
2: everyone watched mad men or a lot of people watched mad men that's true, a lot that's true. of people watched the walking dead i know people Very know which okay. channel that is you're
1: right you're right so do you have a favorite tv show of the year so far Ooh. Putting you on the spot for that one.
2: Oh, you know what? I'm gonna use this opportunity to plug a show that I feel like no one has been watching except for T V critics. It was it's also on AMC plus, so really like
1: Again, what is that?
2: Spend that nine ninety nine on that one month to get it. Uh it's a show called This Is Going to Hurt. Oh, it's so good. Oh thank you. I loved it. T V critics plus Greta have watched it. <laughs> It stars Ben Wishaw as a overworked doctor in a in the British NHS system. And I just don't want to say very much going into mm-hmm. it. I think he's basically just like an absolutely burnt out OBGYN who is trying his best and yet everything is failing. I guess this is sort of like a nice bookend between this one and Abbott Elementary. That's true. I swear, I also love shows that are not set in bureaucratic dystopias. But you know what? These two really, really work. (laughs) (laughs) Ingu, thank you so much. You're a delight. You're not a killjoy at all. Oh, thank you. I'm going to tell my husband that and he will have to eat his words. (laughs) Thanks for having me.
1: All right, that's it for this week. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. Thanks as always for listening along. Did you know we have a very fun Facebook group? It's a really cool spot, especially if you like just watched a TV show, maybe that you would love to talk about with other Nerdette listeners. There's like almost a thousand of them there, and they are ready to talk to you. They're all very friendly humans. You can join that group if you go to facebookcom groups HQ. The show is produced by me and Anna Bauman, along with Sam Deer, and our executive producer is Brendan. I hope you have an amazing
3: weekend. Did I make up the George Clooney thing?
1: I don't think it matters.
4: Like, does it matter?
3: George Clooney gave away money? Question mark? Once gave, for yes, CNBC. He purchased 14 Toomey suitcases and filled it each one with $1 million. Dollars. Suitcases. Okay. I know. I love it, right?
0: Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO.